Hi, Elaine. Hi, Kathy. Hello. So the two of you have been um, uh, coming up with a way of working with trauma that's not necessarily a standard way of doing it, even though it has many, many, many uh, sources in uh, SE and others. Do you want to describe a little bit what you do? Well, I'm going to step in and do a little bit of an introduction because really this is Elaine's creativity and her own experience in as an acupuncturist that brought this different perspective. I met her through the somatic experiencing trainings. And on the surface, it would look like what we were doing with this more biophysiological neuroscience approach would be really different than a traditional therapy like Asian medicine. But as um, Elaine and I got to know each other better and we're doing, she was doing consultations with me about her clients, it became apparent that there was this beautiful overlap between the two systems. And that's what she's so incredibly articulate at expressing. So Elaine, I would turn it over to you to carry on for, <laughs> from there to talk about yourself. <laughs> How wonderful you are in creating this perspective. <laughs> Well, I, I think when I started studying the somatic experiencing back in 2003 or four, I was really taken, you know, in the very beginnings of it, that um, when you look at sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, that in, in my language, you're looking at yin and yang. And when you're looking at restoring regulation and balance to a person's body, that that's really foundational, a uh, foundational premise of acupuncture in Asian medicine is harmony and balance between opposing opposites but in within dualities and sure, Elaine, if you don't mind maybe we can slow down a little bit because um for people who are not that familiar with it it might be just words and i think that you know there's something very beautiful about talking about you know the balance of opposing forces what energy means what chi you know give a little bit of a context of that so that yeah. people can see how you know it might be talking about the same thing from two different languages yes thank you so you know Three, three, four thousand years ago, uh, the Taoists, the philosophical um, scholars, um, were guiding the ancient Asian people living in an agricultural society about the nature of life, how to live, and how, how to find health. And what they said was that all of life emerges out of one primal source. So we're all connected. Animals, people, plants, all of life is connected. And that life presents itself in dualities. There's male and female, there's day and night, there's summer and winter, there's more finer way of thinking, there's inhale and exhale, heartbeat, heart rest. All these dualities are expressions of the movement of chi, of energy. Western science, Western neuroscience says we have a sympathetic nervous system, which is about mobilizing activity, which is a more yang expression, and a parasympathetic nervous system, which is more about resting and digesting. And that life happens similarly between these two opposing poles. So when, the, when we bring Chinese medicine into, um, into this conversation, we can see that sympathetic and parasympathetic are actually connected to each other, just like day is connected to night or warmth is connected to cold. We can't have one without the other. And that when we have those two poles in a dynamic tension with each other, where one isn't dominating the other, that then we have harmony and balance and we have health. So that, that's kind of our foundational premise that we want to help restore 
harmony and balance. And we want to use these forces that exist in nature to help facilitate balance and regulation in people who've experienced an overwhelm that's, that's disturbed that, that sense yeah. of power. So, so um, what it is, is we're talking about a model where um, there is inherently um, a balance of different forces and that, um, you know, equi- there's an equilibrium and the balance is in, in being in that balance of the two systems as opposed to something that is static. Exactly. So that, exactly. uh, that we have a model that's about finding the balance um, as opposed to just finding the stable place. Exactly, exactly. Finding the dynamic tension. Yeah. And, and what acupuncturists find, what I have found or in 30 years of practice, is that many of the people who come to acupuncturists have a traumatic stress response somewhere in their background. That the kinds of things that, um, uh, kinds of health problems that come out of a traumatic stress experience, like autoimmune illness or metabolic disturbance, irritable bowel, chronic migraine headaches, things like that, insomnia. Those are the things that people come to acupuncturists for because we are so good at, we are already, um, we are already orchestrating balance between opposing forces. It's in our inherent uh, uh, form of, of practice. Even though most acupuncture schools do not teach anything about trauma or about neurophysiology. We're going to change that over the coming years, we hope, but um, to, so that people can know more and see more because so many of these people are coming to acupuncturists, but acupuncturists don't necessarily understand the importance of what they're seeing or, or what may be giving rise to, to what they're seeing. Right, right. So that the, by, by training, even though they don't really focus on trauma or don't know much necessarily about trauma. Acupuncturists have a focus on restoring the ability to balance. Exactly. And, uh, and that is actually what helps dealing with the underlying causes of exactly. what affects people who have trauma. Exactly. And what I would add in is that we have this whole other category of symptoms related to trauma that our current care delivery system doesn't address very well, which are the somatic physical symptoms. We have the adverse childhood experience study that says there's a correlation between later development of disease and earlier trauma, but we haven't yet fully changed our care delivery. So we have a lot of people who have physical symptoms related to trauma. They may also have mental health symptoms, but they're having physical symptoms and they don't have a place to go to know how to address those in a successful way because the medical system is similar. People are not necessarily trained as a medical practitioner to recognize the symptoms of trauma. So those of us in the physical care world end up seeing many people who have symptoms that are actually symptoms of trauma that are manifesting through physical manifestation of symptoms. And we have to kind of figure it out. And so part of this book is for acupuncturists and lay people to get a little bit more orientation about how some of the disruptions and the disequilibrium that comes from trauma shows up in our daily life, in our physical systems, so that we have a better orientation. Because we could say the same thing for physical care providers. We hope in the future there's more education about trauma for people who are delivering medical care and other forms of health care because it's a missing piece overall. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're pointing out that, uh, uh, you know, trauma then manifests in physical symptoms. But when you're talking about the physical healthcare providers, you're not talking about providing symptomatic relief. Right. Right. I mean, you can try to provide symptomatic relief. And I think, Elaine, you would speak to this as well. And often it's not very effective because the symptoms are arising from this lack of balance and equilibrium. And so they repeat again. You maybe get temporary treatment or the treatment just doesn't work. Things like uh, migraine, same list that Elaine gave. Uh, Many of the clients that would come to see me were coming with physical complaints And they weren't getting good success in coming at it as a purely physical event that was unrelated to their history and the lack of equilibrium in their system behind the scenes, so to speak. Yeah. So I'd add one more piece, too, that there's sort of in in the broad swath of trauma survivors, there are some that that come with a very braced body system, a more yang uh, expression. They have tight muscles. They have, they have a, a tight energy system. And if you put, if an acupuncturist puts a needle into that braced system, it's going to hurt more. And the system is so clamped down that the chi, the energy, can't really flow behind the impulse of the needle. Similarly, the, the, the other way that people show up is a very flaccid body system. Like, like they're very soft. They're, they're kind of, kind of, just don't have much tone. And if you put a knee, if an acupuncturist places a needle in this kind of person, there isn't enough tone to carry the, to carry the chi, to carry the, the energy. So incorporating some of the touch techniques that we described in the Tao of Trauma, um, an acupuncturist can help a person move either towards, towards regulation, towards that zone of comfort or zone of resiliency where the, the chi has a possibility to move. Either they're going to come come down if they're too high, if they're too too rigid, too much energy, or come up if they're flaccid and don't have adequate tone to carry the chi. Yeah, so in that sense, there's an analogy with what we do in therapy is uh, you can do therapy only if the client is in a certain space okay. and you have to spend the time preparing it. That's right. Or just applying treatment. Right. Just like a farmer has to plow the field before he plants the right. seed. We have to prepare our client to receive our our ministrations. Mm -hmm. So you're using the metaphor of the farmer plowing the field, and maybe that might be a good transition with talking about some of the correspondence between uh, what we do uh, in psychotherapy informed by neuroscience, Peter Levine's findings, and the uh, model of the uh, Asian um, and acupuncture model. Sure, sure. So Peter Levine... um, um, studied animal-predator-prey relationships and came up with this wonderful um, description of five stages that all animals go through in, in responding to, to threat. And he additionally said that human beings go through the same steps and that if we're able to go through all those five steps, we're less likely to have symptoms or to carry an imprint of that traumatic experience. And if we are thwarted in one of those steps that the the route to healing is to help the person complete that step that's missing. And the symptoms that a person has will be um, not, maybe not directly dictated, but will be influenced by which step 
is missing for them. So the curious thing is that these five steps that that he described and, and defined are actually mirrored in the five elements of Chinese medicine, that the, the Chinese understood this, these, these five phases as, as phases of the generation of, in the agricultural cycle. Mm-hmm. So, so I, could, I could go around and, and Peter Levine said, um, um, the first step, I call it awakening arousal, he calls it arrest, um, that we have, it's a task of living to notice that there's something new in our environment. We, we need to have the, the sensory apparatus, the perceptive capacity to notice that there's something new. If we don't have that, we're going to trip and fall on the, on the blocks on the floor of the living room. We, we, need, we need that as a capacity. The second step, to, to signal threat. So we, we need to be able to recognize danger as well as safety. And we need to be able to seek out help from others uh, in order to cope with life. This is the, uh, that first step awakening arousal belongs to the metal element. The second step belongs to the water element. Uh, its, its organs are the, include the kidney with the adrenal sitting right on top. Of course, Western science and Chinese medicine both recognize the importance of the kidney and the adrenal gland for, for initiating a sense of threat, secretion of adrenaline and other stress-related uh, yeah. chemicals. Yeah. Um, so that, that capacity... Uh, to, to know when we're safe and when we're not. Then the next capacity, the wood element, is to mobilize a response. We need to be able to mobilize a response that's commensurate with the level of threat that we experienced. So this is the, the wood element belongs to the spring, the season spring when all life starts to emerge um, as we're experiencing now with more flowers and, and buds on the trees and, and all of that kind of thing. Then the next capacity is we need to restore coherence. We need to, we need to know that the threat is over. We need to know that we've survived and that, that it's over, we need, which is a message that comes from our heart with the equilibrium of the, of the heartbeat. Instead of being boom, 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 shock, danger, alarm, it comes back to regular, quiet heartbeat. We know we survived. That belongs to the fire element. And then the, the last element is the earth element, which whose um, capacity is to help us digest the gristle, help us harvest the lessons in this experience. Because no matter how successful we were, we've been at going through all of these steps. There's there's necessarily some gristle for yeah. us to to have to process. And then we come back to we we round back around to the metal element where we're now again we have a clean slate, relatively clean slate. We're able to notice something new in our environment again, um, and we're prepared to respond to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a potential new threat. So these five steps reflect the, the process of, of planting, uh, growth, maturity, harvest, and decline that's in the agricultural cycle. And um, is that expression of, of the Tao, is that expression of creation that came at the very beginning of time. Every, every organization begins as a thought and then we take some actions to, um, to, to make it happen, and it matures, and it, it gives its gifts, it, it harvests its lessons, and then it declines. Every, spring has to come after winter and before summer. It can't come at any other time of year. These, yeah. these, these uh, seasons come in a particular order. The threat response happens in a particular order. Life happens in a particular order. We're born, we're, we mature, we, we uh, 
reproduce, we we give our gifts, we we die. It's the it's the order of life. Yeah. And I want to I want to just add a little footnote uh, because you you mentioned the seasons and 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 there are five and so to the the footnote is that in the Chinese system there is a fifth season which is the late summer. Uh, and so when you have that five elements, you know, that's we're referring to, to, to that fifth season that's not in our calendar. Um, but that I personally find very uh, inspiring to relate this not just to trauma, but just to a normal cycle of life uh, in which one season precedes another one and is followed, uh, is, follows one and precedes another one. And uh, where this is the normal course of things, and uh, and there is kind of a recurring. It's part of a cycle. It's not something that's a one-time thing. So it's kind of a larger context, uh, which is about life itself, and not just an exceptionality of trauma. That, exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, the Taoists t- taught, teach us that health comes with living in harmony with the gifts and challenges of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Don't don't fight what's happening right now. So right now it's spring, and spring is the time to see a new future. It's a time of new beginnings. It's a time of of visioning, creating a vision for 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 the for the growing season. So um, it's um, it's associated with the eyes. The eyes are the sense organ that's associated with the wood element and the spring because it's important to see where we're going and to see what's what our future is. So it's not just the tangible seeing I need to turn right at the street up ahead. It's also seeing where your life is going. And so it's a great time for contemplating what future am I trying to create for myself? Your nature will support you exploring what's my destiny. Where, where am I going with my life and how can I, what steps do I need to take in order to manifest my true nature? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, from if we look from the somatic experiencing perspective of that threat response cycle, in effect, that's what's being said in that is when you don't do things in that order, that is the natural order that would then inherently produce a kind of a return to equilibrium because every natural step has been completed in whatever form, successful, halfway successful, but nevertheless, you come to a completion when that doesn't complete, when there's an interruption, then there's something in the system that gets disturbed. And that disturbance continues into the future. And you don't do the completion of the cycle. You have some element of that cycle that is continuing to act kind of out of the normal system and begins to create, whether that's physical symptoms or behavioral symptoms, there's now dynamics and pressures within the whole person that are no longer in good relationship. And if you have multiple versions of that over time, you start getting multiple directions of pulling kind of in the wrong way and not being ready for that next step. So Elaine, as you're talking about in spring, um, I know you have many clients that you can give examples of, but if you're going to give an example of someone where you're working in this context with the wood element, how would that sound? Because I think that would be helpful for people to see how that interruption then starts showing itself because it's no longer embedded in the natural cycle. You see the sort of unnatural expressions of how that got interrupted. 
Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I like also, uh, Kathy, how you positioned the question to see, you know, in a way when we talk about interruption or something that's unfinished or something that's not completed, it may sound abstract, but so it would be very nice to see how it shows up so that we can recognize the concept in uh, in what we can observe. Right, right, right. So if a mobilization response is thwarted and mm-hmm. that, um, that thwarted energy has a lid on it that's not allowing it to flow, from the wood towards the fire, it's going to particularly influence the um, the corresponding tissues and uh, and tasks of the wood element. So there's a whole resonant resonance with uh, the wood element, and I mentioned the eyes earlier, also the tendons and the ligaments, um, the blood, um, the the quality of hopefulness being able to see a future, all those things. So um, the story I'll tell you is um, a fellow um, who I was treating when I worked at the Veterans Administration, and he was first appointment, and I went to shake his hand, and he said, I don't press flesh with women. And, um, and, and I said, okay, what's your name? Welcome, you know, and he told me, and we walked down the hall, and he's kind of strutted with a, a very rigid body uh, type, and a lot of anger in his, I could hear anger in his voice, which is the emotion associated with the wood element. And he, um, his jaw in particular was very tight and you could see the bulging kind of muscles around his, his jaw. And he pointed at pain that went down the side of his leg, which um, he, he, could, he could draw the gallbladder meridian, which is the, um, the partner to the liver in the, in the wood element and talked about a lot of pain and, and, um, you know, everything's wrong and, and um, we, we got to my office and he came in and he noticed some uh, flowers that were sitting on the, on the window. And uh, I could see his eyes kind of go towards the flowers. And I, I just noted, I see you're noticing the flowers on my window. And he said, yeah, yeah, I used to, I used to garden with my grandfather, you know, and, and, oh, tell me about your grandfather. And so anyway, he began to soften as he remembered his grandfather and, work in the garden. And um, I said, gosh, your face looks like it's a little bit softer. I I wonder how that is for you. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I said, so I wonder if you can remember, I I said, what percentage of you feels safe right now? Or is there a time you can remember feeling safe? And he looked at me with these most profound eyes the softest, biggest eyes. And he said, damn, no one has ever invited me to feel safe. Mm. So when you think about military service, they, they don't have the luxury to take time to feel safe. They need to feel vigilant in order to, be, in order to protect themselves, in, in theater in particular. So there's no benefit to feeling safe. They need to feel aroused. They need to feel active and alert. So... We put him on the table, and by this time, he, his body was soft enough to receive a needle. I did a very, very simple treatment, just one point in his liver pathway, one point in his gallbladder pathway, and spent a little time um, uh, holding his kidney adrenal system. At the end of the session, I asked him if he had one word to describe how he felt different, and he said, ebullient. I feel ebullient. <laughs> and and uh, he, he got off the table, and he put his... Uh, his ankle over his knee to put his shoes on. And he said, damn, 
I haven't been able to do that since I got home from Iraq. So that the, the wood element and the association with the tendons and ligaments made his tendons and ligaments so tight that he couldn't bend his knee, but now he could bend his knee. And not only were his tendons and ligaments more flexible, so was his emotional state. Because when I walked him back up to the desk to make another appointment, he picked me up in his arms, planted a kiss on my cheek, and put me back down again. He's a really big guy, and I'm kind of small, and put me back down again. And um, uh, uh, after he left, the, the desk, uh, desk staff um, called me in and said, so, so what did you do with that guy? <laughs> but a um, couple, couple sweet needles and just the right interaction. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you want to add something to this, Kathy, to the, the comment on this example? Or? I think, you know, this is the, this is the thing we, we, in a way we started with. It's not only about trauma. You know, we can get so focused on trauma when we're treating trauma that we forget there's a bigger life that's happening that's also holding the trauma and expressing it in sort of day-to-day ways like this. And so sometimes we're in the trenches working so hard on the trauma, we forget that sometimes a very simple interaction can make a huge difference in how the person is feeling about themselves and expressing themselves. And maybe this guy still has a pretty serious trauma history that needs more work and, you know, there's more work to do. But sometimes those kind of things where you see, you you get that right aim, so to speak. And I think that this interface between looking at it from this more traditional perspective that holds in it that bigger framework of life and life pattern and the seasons and our bigger place in the world and overlaps enough with the practicality of specific symptoms, it increases the probability that you get some of these kind of interactions, which are just, it's so delightful because I, I've had similar versions with clients where you know that the bigger issues aren't gone but they have had, they've touched a state that has given them hope that has let them see that their life is not only organized around their trauma and around their symptoms. Maybe the next day he's still, he's feeling tight again or whatever, but even that momentary access to something different says that possibilities are available. And I think those are critical moments in the overall treatment with people that we provide that access to that quality that gives hope. And Elaine, I'm assuming that's a piece of what happened with him is that in a very short period of time, he perhaps shifted his idea of what was going to be possible in his recovery. And I think the the other thing that happened that you can see in that example is his wood energy that was quite congested, actually when it when it got a little more flexible and could move, it connected up to the fire energy. He was able to make connection and um, you know, and a playful um uh, connection with with me, who he wouldn't even shake hands with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's, to 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 give a little feedback on this. What I'm hearing also very much is how this model goes into the notion of that flow of from one state to the next. And so, uh, if you recognize the wood energy, it's not to say wood energy and static or something, but it's about allowing it to flow into what it would normally flow to. Right. Um, and that's where you get that that fire energy, right? Where it's actually mm-hmm. organically designed to flow to. It's yes, it's to designed. Flow. It's designed to. It's normal. It's, it's just a, that sense of it's been blocked, 
and that allowing it to go where it would need to go organically. Right. And the, the other thing that strikes me is how, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, figuratively of pinpoint intervention of going right to the point. And so here, uh, what you're describing is by having a sense of what stage it is, you know, and this is that stage of wood. And uh, so, um, but it's also something where you have both, uh, you know, the stage the same way as using the, uh, the uh, Peter Levine uh, stages, but you, you kind of connect it to a poetic quality uh, so that it has maybe a little less uh, sense of dealing with a pathology, but with something that is, and you also connect it to organs based on the theory of the elements right. uh, and then can have that pinpoint intervention right there. Right. And right. notice what, what, what then happens when you touch there. Right. So each of these five elements have corresponding organs, tissues, um, uh, sense organ, um, uh, spiritual quality, and so on. So, whether you're a body worker or a, or a mental health provider, um, the correspondences, this network of correspondences that the Chinese design can help guide if you know someone's having trouble with digesting their story. They, the story keeps going round and round and they can't assimilate lessons and they can't let it go and, and move into their colon and purge it out. You know that you need to work with their viscera because that's what goes with the earth element is the stomach and the spleen. Mm-hmm. You know that, that you need to, to help them with transformation, which is the task of the spleen. So it, once you've figured out where a person has primarily been thwarted or is primarily not having flow, then you can look at the corresponding um, correspondences and sort out how can you best serve this person. So it becomes a little more nuanced analysis of the person and more, uh, you know, more helpful interventions, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is this okay to just kind of shift toward the conclusion of what we're doing here? Yeah, the, the one thing I do want to add, which actually leads to the conclusion, is the other piece that goes with this is because of the sense of the cycle, it also helps keep the practitioner oriented because one of the things that can be confusing for people is they're working effectively with their clients. And then what seem to be new symptoms arise. But if you're looking at it in this natural cycle, you would see very often those symptoms are a natural expression of the next stage that they're going Mm. to. And so then you wouldn't be surprised if someone now is better able to mobilize response that they then come into the mobilization of that. And that is going to be the natural follow-on of the completion is that you will see them flow through these different parts of the threat response cycle. You will see them move through the sort of seasonal expressions in a pretty natural way. And you won't be as startled as the practitioner about what's happening and disoriented. So in a way, it helps you with a treatment plan of knowing what's likely to be coming next. So you're already anticipating it as you're doing your effective work with the earlier stages of it. Yeah. 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 And you may not get as uh, befuddled by new symptoms or, or many symptoms. If you can hone in on which element is a primary focus for where this person got 
got thwarted. And even though they have symptoms that belong all around the map, by keeping the goal of restoring coherence and um, core regulation, that then those other symptoms are going to fall by the wayside once you've restored core regulation for them. And you've got a, you've got a, um, you know, a bookmark for how to get there. Mm-hmm. 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 Fabulous. Yeah. Good. So is there something else you would want to add to this? Not for me. This is part of the Relational Implicit podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to relationalimplicit.com.